0: Welcome to the second episode of the Unscripted Scripts and Scribes podcast. As you may or may not know, sometimes scheduling can get hectic, and this is our way of sort of still putting together a podcast for our listeners during this time. Uh, the Unscripted podcasts are a more casual chat than the usual podcast episodes, but hopefully still fun, interesting, and informative. In that spirit, today on the show we've got the writer of the Oscar-nominated film Warrior, Emmy-nominated HBO series Entourage, and the upcoming The Crow reboot from Relativity, Although I'm sure we all know him best as Manny Sosa, guest star on Baywatch Nights, Mr. Cliff Dworkman. Thanks for on the show, Cliff.
1: Thanks for bringing that up. That's, that's great.
0: That's, that's great. Thank you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> on my um, road to realizing that I was a mediocre actor, yes, <laughs> I, I am. I haven't thought about that in a long time. Hassle <laughs> off. All
0: right. What's going on, Kevin? Uh, uh, How are you no, doing? I'm just, no, I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: doing very
0: well thank you for asking yeah no and speaking of, of uh performing wise i know writing and performing although you're not really performing i suppose um your new project dream school premiered october 1st and, and i saw it and it was it's really a great show uh you yeah know, it's thanks Cent, it's amazing. Chuck, chuck d is on it um they've got a huge list of stars last season i know like your boy david arquette was on it and you yep. were on, on the Oliver pilot. Stone and Yeah. Jesse Jackson, I think, was on it. And- yep. Yeah. So that O'Brien. They get yeah. great people. Jeff Corwin, the animal dude. yeah, on it, I think. Yep. Um, so for those who don't know, maybe you can explain what Dream School is. And and for, just for those who haven't seen it, you can definitely check it out. It's really a great show. You, if you don't get Sundance Channel for some reason, you can watch it on SundanceChannel.com, I think. Um, yeah. So you definitely can. check it out there. You know, the whole episode is on there for free, so. Um, But for those who haven't seen it yet, maybe you can explain a little bit of what Dream School is and how you became involved in it. It's a really cool show. Oh,
1: okay. Well, again, thanks. And, um, you know, what it is, Jimmy Oliver, the uh, chef, uh, you know, big fan of what he did with, you know, integrating healthy meals into schools. And he had come up with this idea. Originally, it was a BBC series to take, you know, a certain amount of, you know, high-risk, at risk, I guess, uh, you know, high school students who have basically like been kicked out of school, you know, five schools and are being bullied or in gangs or teenage pregnancies or what have you, all these massive sort of life socioeconomic circumstances where, you know, they're not going to complete their education and put together a school of, you know, dream teachers and people that will inspire them in a sort of nonconventional way to stay in school, to go get your GED, to finish your education. And he's integrated that with, you know, real educators, you know, know, accredited teachers and principals and administrators who will run the school and will make sure that these lessons they're learning, not just from the dream teachers, but from them are going to count as credit. Mm-hmm. So they're really working towards their degree. At the same time, they're having all these experiences with people like, you know, like David Arquette and like Oliver Stone and Soledad O'Brien and all these different, you know, uh, Gloria Allred. And it, it, they get a tremendous array of amazing people to come in and sort of, you know, I think Oliver Stone's taught history to the kids last season, and David taught drama, and it's just, you know, it gives them this way of saying like, hey, you know what, we all took non-conventional paths to our dreams, which, you know, I always think it's important to differentiate, I mean, I love the term dream school, but I always like to look at it as a goal, you know, because when you're looking at it as a dream, it seems unattainable, and when you're looking at something as a goal, it's just how you're going to get there, what the path is you're going to take, and we all took different paths that, you know, would seem to be, like I said, to use the word a third time, you know, uh, <laughs> non conventional. Uh, therefore, they can relate to that. And they can say, okay, well, if you guys could do this, then this is definitely attainable. It doesn't, you know, because if you're looking at it from the 30,000 foot view, especially as a kid, and most kids are treated like kids. And I think that's the other thing is that, you know, we treat them, you know, as equals, it's like, hey, look, you're going to be someone who could possibly be hiring me in 15 years, and you know this is how you'll be that person.
0: Right. right.
1: Um, Does that actually answer the question? Yeah, just no, it did. On I'm a just, ramp, and No, and
0: digress no. And <laughs> no, I'm just thinking of a follow up in terms of uh, I know you taught screenwriting at UCLA. How do how do you teach writing to inner city mm-hmm. kids? And I, I saw in the pilot episode. There was one kid who just wasn't responding at all, just didn't seem interested at all, and I'm sure it, it was just... Well,
1: that kid ended up being great. And, you know, what they see how they edited... We shot, yeah, you know, uh, three episodes for me. And then I guess in the editing, there was a decision that was made that was like every guest teacher is only going to have one episode. Mm-hmm. So they consolidated... The three lessons that I taught with, you know, with the superheroes, and then you know, all those kids finished comic books that they drew oh, with cool. the superpowers they came up with, and they were amazing. And I had them all write their own obituaries, oh. so we could talk about like, you know, where you're going to be. You know, like, what do you if you die today, write your obituary, and if you died in five years from now, write your obituary. Oh. And it was incredibly emotional. Like a lot of kids, you were crying, and they didn't want to do it, and you know, it was really something that touched at the core of whatever their issues were. Sure. And, you know, I mean, and that kid uh, that we saw in the first episode was, you know, he he, he left, but then he came back and he was, like, better than ever. And we had a discussion and he was, you know, amazing. I mean, look, I kicked him out Mm -hmm. because if you want to be treated like an adult, I didn't say go to the principal's office. I just said get out. Yeah, yeah. Go home. Go do whatever you want to do. You know what I mean? Like right. if you don't want to be here. I mean, it's the same equivalent of if you're in a meeting, you know, uh, at a job and you're acting like that, someone's gonna go you fire. fired.
2: Sure.
1: So you know, get used to that because that right. attitude doesn't float. You're gonna be in a million places you don't want to be, and you're gonna be bored as shit more times than you can count. <laughs>
2: Right.
1: You know, I mean, yeah. so unless you figure out a coping skill and a social skill to mask that or get through that and metabolize it, you're fucked.
2: Right. You're going
1: to never be able to keep a job. Right. So, you know, uh, they don't, you know, what uh, I wish they would have shown uh, was that he came back and he was amazing and he handed in a wonderful comic book and, you know, wrote his obituary. And, like, everybody sort of was somehow transformed including myself through that process
0: yeah and i I guess that's also part of it although we didn't see as much of it as as you know there was there but you the instructors uh, take away from it as well and you learn and grow but um also the what i guess my question was also how do you reach them like you would, you had said that he had come back and turned in this great stuff, but I'm sure, you know, between you kicking him out of him, coming back and turning in this great stuff, I'm sure there was stuff there that we didn't see, which is that growth. How do you reach a kid like that? As opposed to you say, lace grade writing students who are there to learn, who are there specifically for something, these kids, some of them have varying degrees of that sort of commitment. Uh, how do you reach kids like that?
1: All right, well, I'm going to break that into two to a two part answer because you had asked a question previously about how you teach writing.
0: Yeah. But I'm gonna
1: answer the first question uh, the first question first. I'm gonna answer the (laughs) question about how you reach them
2: yeah
1: uh, first, which is that like I said previously, but just to expound on it a bit, is the idea that, you know, kids are used to being talked down to, they're used to being ignored, they're used to having their opinions, you know, discarded. And when you treat kids as equals, mm-hmm. they respond. It takes a minute. You're going to have fights. You know how many adults I started out? You know, like, go fuck yourself. And they're like, you know, some of my closest friends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and they get it. You know, they're very, very smart. And when they realize that, oh, this guy's not being a dick to me for no reason, he's treating me like he would treat someone he works with or a friend of his. And, you know, friends fight, co-workers fight. And then you realize, like, okay, and and they respond really well to that. I mean, it takes a minute, you know, and it takes some conversations. But, you know, they realize, like, as opposed to, like, hey, I need everybody eyes up front and center, as opposed to just looking at a class, as I did many times, which is not in the show, and I go, hey, 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 shut the fuck up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it got to the point where I wrote shut the fuck up on the board, and I would just point to the board. Nice. You know, and and they get that, because that's the way – Everybody talks. I mean, well, not everybody, but, you know,
2: <laughs> anybody that I
1: want to be involved with. Right. You know, and, and that's really ultimately how you reach them. that answer about the, you know, or, or the kind of respond to the teaching of writing, I don't believe you can teach writing. I didn't actually teach a class on screenwriting. I taught a class on how to brand yourself as a writer. Uh, because even when sorry. going through the curriculum with the director of uh, UCLA extension, it was, you know, I don't believe you can teach someone to write. Mm -hmm. You can teach someone structure, rising points, falling points, climax, you know, act one, act two, you know, inciting incidents and and things like that. But I have no interest in teaching that. Read a book, Mm -hmm. you know, like anyone can learn that, you know, but to have a voice, you either have a voice or you don't. We're not reinventing the wheel. You know, you look at Pulp Fiction, I mean, that's probably the last movie and the only movie of its kind that sort of created a new structure. Um, and even in doing so, it's still a, a structure that existed, and he just broke it up differently. You know, So we're not doing anything that can't be taken from something else. It's just you have a voice that's making that story and those characters in the exact same structural situation and the same archetypes of characters unique. So I don't think you can teach writing. the same way, I don't think you can teach acting. You know, I mean, I think you can act or you can. And then if you can, if you, if you have that ability, then it's a muscle. You go and you practice. It's mm-hmm. like going to the gym right. and working out. If you have a voice, then you just write and figure out your style, you know. And that's kind of the idea of saying, like, how do you brand yourself? Why, when you walk into a room, is someone going to hire you and not 18 other people who all can do the same job? Well, you're going to hire me because I've worked on branding myself in this specific arena. Mm-hmm. You know, I do stuff that is guy's guy stuff, edgy, and you know, I'll talk – my themes are always about family or this. Or, you know, whatever it is that you have that makes you unique, again, it goes back to business school, I guess, which is unique selling points, you know, the USP. What's your unique selling point as a writer, as a director, as, a, as an actor?
0: And sticking with the writing, I have written down on my note card of of three (laughs) topics to discuss. (laughs) Um, Relativity deals, studio deals, Um, for those who may not have as much insight into what that actually means, you know, having a housekeeping deal, a first look deal, um, getting a studio deal, what, what does that mean on your end? How did you end up signing your deal with Relativity? What does that mean terms of you you know you're obviously you know we don't talk business necessarily business stuff but I mean in terms of what do you owe to relativity what did they give you in return uh, and that kind of stuff
1: well you know first of all you know it came from writing the crow and mm-hmm. getting the blinking green light on that um, and seeing the value and what I'm able to do with something that already exists and saying hey, this is how we can get it to a place together where everybody can go and make this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, and then what you get is a home, for starters, you know, a place where, you know, no matter what, you can go. Like I have, my agent brought me a book called Blood Aces, which is the story of Benny Binion and uh, my responsibility and, and what I want to do, aside from being contractually responsible, to take it to relativity first. Mm-hmm. Now they could pass on it, but, and then I can go wherever I want, But, you know, they're not going to. They're in the process of making a deal on it and, you know, with the uh, writer and so on and so forth and I'll adapt the book to, to be a movie. And, you know, that's my responsibility. Plus, they'll give me stuff internally that needs rewriting. You know, that is like almost at a place where they're like, this is a movie we're very serious about, but read it and tell us what you think, and then I will, and then I'll do notes. Or I'll work on movies that are already shot that need a new beginning or a new reshoot, you know, for the end, the middle, we need to, like, pump up the idea of this.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, uh, I did it on Three Days to Kill, and I just did it on another movie that I'm not going to mention. And <laughs> it's, just, well, no, 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 I just, I can't. Yeah. And it's, you know, um, yeah, it's rewarding, too. It's not about the credit. You're not seeing credit for that. But, you know, you become an integral part of this sort of inner machination of movie-making, which, you know, is invaluable.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Because, the, you, know, there's, you know, the art of selling something is a completely different, let's say, art or craft or skill than getting something made. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, so to be able to watch... And be a part of that and seeing what goes into it is incredibly beneficial and eye-opening.
0: Right. Um, now, sticking with the business aspect of writing, uh, you are a client of George Heller, who's great, a bird apostle. Uh, but you're also yeah. a client over at Resolution. And this week, or I guess by the time we air this last week, uh, Resolution shut their doors jeffberg company i guess the there's all kinds of behind the scenes stuff with chinese money not coming through or whatever but they were ultimately mm-hmm. shut their doors and to some degree it wasn't necessarily expected but there were signs agents leaving but they were signing new agents so it was kind of one of those in transition things but as a client what process i mean how did you find out about it uh and what what sort of the, what does that mean for you when, when an agency like Resolution, you know, big agency, uh, closes mm-hmm. its doors, sort of unexpectedly?
1: I mean, you know, first of all, it's sad. You know, it's a, just a bummer. Um, you, um, I found that I mean, I heard rumblings of it
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: from different people and you know, bigger clients that, you know, people tell me, like, they're getting calls from other agencies, like, it looks like, you know, something's going on at Resolution, like, they're being courted. And... I kind of was like, okay, well, for me, I guess it, it was, I don't want to say different because I think a lot of these people that I'm talking about are staying with their agents. I was with a partner there, it was the head of the literary department, uh, Rich Green. And, you know, for me, it was really the first time I had an agent that I connected to completely and I saw what he did. And I think we talked about it in, in the last time we spoke, which is, you know, he found a way to work with me that was, you know, invaluable. And so from, from myself, ultimately how I found out is he called me and he told me, Mm -hmm. and you know, I told him, you know, like, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going where you go. I'm like, wait a minute. Do you want me to go where you go? (laughs) He was like, you know, laughing. And I was like, yeah, of course. And you know, so for me, it's not, he he can end up wherever he ends up. It doesn't matter to me, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm going to be with him uh, wherever he goes. Uh, As far as other clients go, you know, uh, Whereas my agent, uh, like I said, is the senior agent, he was the head of the literary department, he's going to have autonomy where he goes. There are other agents that, you know, more junior and they're just going and getting jobs and they may get jobs at CAA, but they're not going to bring their clients with them.
2: Right. You know,
1: so it just, and I think that's going to leave some clients looking for new representation, but you know, this shit always happens. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's a, you know, I mean, not a, an agency falling, you know, apart per se, but or disbanding or folding or what have you. It's, but, you know, in this business, you, you, you're you always looking for representation at some point. You're always kind of aware. I think it, we're in a business that is one where, you know, you don't make a living in this business. You either get rich or you're poor.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, there's a certain instability or walking on eggshells that you're constantly doing, like, you know, how my current... I'm selling things that am I getting made, uh, you know, how long do I have now that I got this made to just sell stuff before I need to get something else made until I become old, sure. you know, if like you're constantly worrying about those things. So looking for new representation is not uh, anything that isn't on any, you know, uh, writer, director, producer, uh, actor's mind at any point, you know, unless you're in that kind of 1% where you're, you know, Brad Pitt or your Steve Dalian or whoever. And you're like, I'll just, I don't need anyone. You know, I'll go wherever I want. David Fincher. You know, it's like, you just do whatever you want. Right. But if you're not, if you're with the rest of us, you're constantly thinking like, okay, you know, like for me, it was nice for the rich. Cause I, I, I once I got with him and we started working together, I was like, Oh, I'm, I never need to go anywhere else ever.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So it made my life a lot easier
0: right right um now a very very important subject matter that we have to cover that i i uh-huh. i've ignored for 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 quite a while um your manager george and i uh-huh. both usc trojans and i know you are friends with some ucla football players hanging out the sidelines um <laughs> what's what's <laughs> yeah. the deal with that
1: i <laughs> um, my 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 good friend is actually now a um uh, an assistant he went through he's in the you know I don't know you go into the mail room and then you get you get asked to come and be put on a desk so he's at ETA now uh, Grayson Mazzoni and his dad Noel and his brother dad Noel is the offensive the head offensive coach for UCLA and his brother is the quarterback coach and he was the wide receiver last year he hurt his knee that's why he's now in the aging game. And right. uh, it's kind of funny, but you know, this is a guy who, you know, a year ago was at the Rose bowl, catching a touchdown pass in front of, you know, 50,000 people or whatever the Rose bowl. I think it's like a lot people.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And not counting the, you know, <laughs> the, the massive amount of people watching it on TV. Oh, yeah, so like, really? yeah. you know, I'm fascinated by it. I'll never experience that no matter what I do. Like he yeah. could go write a screenplay to
2: yeah. You know, like, you
1: know, like, and it might be great. I will never do that.
2: <laughs> right.
1: And, you know, so it affords me, the, you know, having him as my friend affords me the luxury of going to the game and taking my kid on the sideline and going, look up. Look at all these people. Mm-hmm. Soak that shit in.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, went, I went to USC and I would go hang out at the sideline of a UCLA game. That's just, you know, being on the floor of a stadium like the Rose Bowl historic had to be amazing.
1: Yeah, it was, it was, you know, it's unbelievable. And, you know, watching, you know, you're watching, you know, and Grayson was at the at top of his field. And, you know, you watch his dad was the offensive coordinator at Old Miss, you know. I mean, that, you're watching a guy and his brother who are absolutely top of the game you know, what they do. And, you know, that in and of itself is always, like, I'm not the biggest sports fan, you know? I mean, I'm just not. But what I am a fan of is amazing athleticism. You watch playoff games or amazing plays. you're like, how the fuck do these guys do that? (laughs) And that's something that, again, it's an art form, and it goes to, you know, when I watch a Quentin movie, or you know, how do they do that? (laughs) You know, it's like, so I'm a big fan of that.
0: Right. Yeah. Being around great people makes you want to be great at what you do. So I think that that sort of inspiration is is pretty amazing.
1: And I think that goes back to dream school, you know, and I think it's probably why UCLA will beat USC on the
0: 22nd of November. (laughs) Um, Yeah. At the Rose Bowl. (laughs) USC is not not doing all that well this year. Um. Yeah, well... Although again UCLA seemed to have hit a stumbling block as well, so it's unfortunately they're not going in both top ranked teams. That would have been <laughs> awesome. But, you know, it is what I it know.
1: is. I know, I know, but it's still be a great game.
0: Even I mean, but last week though, when UCLA lost, uh, a ton of top ten teams lost. I mean, Alabama lost and Oregon lost. I mean, it was yeah. crazy, absolutely insane, really nuts. Um. I have a question. You referred me to, you know, when we were hanging out one time, you referred me to uh, the John Milius documentary, which I told you I watched, which was really amazing. I've referred it to other people because it was such a great documentary. Amazing. Um, And so, I have. what are you reading, watching, or playing, you know, like video games or whatever now? Is there anything that you're reading, watching, or playing that you would recommend?
1: I mean, I would recommend, honestly, not just because I'm adapting it, because if I wasn't adapting it, I would... You know, be reading it and be pissed that wasn't involved in it is Blood Aces. It's uh, it the story of uh, Benny Binion. Yeah, the who, Binion's uh, Casino guy, right? Yeah, well, he created the World Series of Poker, but you know, he was also a huge. You know, he's a Texas gangster, and he was part of the Good Old Boys Mafia. That you know, I mean, and I'm fascinated with this idea because you know, even in Casino, you know, movie, uh, De Niro, what takes down Ace Rothstein mm-hmm. is not the mob or any of that. Like what takes him down from being the guy who's running the casino hmm. is when he fires that shit kicker, right? He's, like, you know, and then the uh, the the guy comes and he says, uh, you know, you guys are all just visitors here. You don't <laughs> get it, right? And like they're the ones who take him down, and that's like, you know, I think that's an aspect of you know big business and gangsters intersecting that just has not been there hasn't been an autopsy done on it, and that is and to read this book and this, you know decade-plus-long feud that he had with this other gangster in Texas that he ultimately had murdered that, you know, never was proven. And this is a guy, you know, who's, you know, living a life like Sinatra except, you know and, and really being a gangster and owning Binion's Horseshoe and creating the World Series of Poker. I mean, it's fucking, it's fascinating. So I would highly recommend anyone reading Blood Aces in in a very big way. it's It's, a, it's an amazing ride and you know, it's just daunting in the sense of like, there's so much great stuff here. You know, how do you, how do you choose it? And it's written by this guy, Doug Swanson, who just did, uh, Doug J. Swanson just did an amazing job in in putting together not only, you know, the chronological facts and, and how he broke it up and did it in parts, but also, you know, you know, ranging from like the 50s to the 80s, but also the, the idea of, you know, this character and how he delves inside this character. And it, it, it's absolutely, I, I can't recommend it highly enough. Um, as far as what I've been watching lately, I'm trying to think like all the new shows, like, you know, the new season started coming back on. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've been watching the usual stuff like, you know, Modern Family and uh, the, board, the last season of Boardwalk Empire, which I'm actually loving. The am yeah. pissed that uh, Patricia Arquette was just killed and oh, wait, that's a spoiler. i oh, goodness. Want to edit that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, I mean, it happened a few episodes ago, but in case people are waiting to binge, right. <laughs> right. sorry. And, um, you know, people love Masters of Sex. They never, I uh, just, it never hooked me. Um, but I'm trying to think what else is like, oh, I mean, last season of Sons to Anarchy,
2: mm-hmm.
1: I'm, I'm obsessed with. Uh, new shows, I, I can't. Think of, uh, I think the last season of Ray Donovan was unbelievable. But have there been like what are the new shows like? I'm trying. To, I feel
0: like on HBO or on
1: Showtime. Like I feel like something new started.
0: I'm not. I haven't seen it yet, but I've heard a lot of buzz around Transparent. The uh, it's a Amazon Prime show that has uh, hmm. Jeffrey Tambor playing a man who is a parent and he's a transgender or something like that. I don't know oh, why. Yeah, supposedly it's getting a huge amount of buzz. It's took like ten episodes. I didn't know anything about it until everyone started talking about it. Um, yeah, I
1: didn't until so you just told me. I didn't know anything
0: about it. Yeah, Speaking so, getting a whole bunch of. I mean, buzz the and new
1: people. season of Homeland, by the yeah. way, is, is. I mean, you know, I love it.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It, it,
1: I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think you know. Other than that, I mean, there's nothing new that's really kind of hit me. Uh, and video games I'm still I'm playing A new Madden
0: I, I can't I can't stop <laughs> Nice uh, What's your team Or Do you have one uh, The Saints Okay Nice
1: Yeah New Good.
0: Orleans fan uh, I'm a big Big uh, Drew Brees fan Any quarterback Who's is, You know what, what, How tall is he Like at 5'11 Or something <laughs> Any Oh yeah you know. Yeah well,
1: It's like Russell Wilson You know
0: Yeah you just When you're great You're great Yeah Yeah Um and I was going to ask, how much research are you going to do for at Binion's Casino uh, on weekends? And uh, are they going to <laughs> are they going to pony up money to put you in the World Series of Poker? You know, for research purposes, you know. To, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, you know, we got to get into that part of the deal, but usually, <laughs> you know, the Studio's been very good about that with yeah. me. Um, and it's kind of like a part of how I work
2: mm-hmm. with
1: everything I do. Sure. So, you know, I'm writing a movie for screen gems and I've been embedded with a special forces team for the last you know, six months and <laughs> learning from them to write this movie. So, you know, it, it's, and a lot of stuff I can't actually talk about, which is kind of amazing. You know, I, I did it with the border patrol show that I did with Pete Berg for HBO that didn't go, but I was embedded with the uh, Homeland Security with the uh, Border Patrol, Customs and Border Patrol. So uh, the studios kind of know that's what I do, and they'll usually hire me tech consultants and give me some kind of budget. And if they don't, I pay for it myself. Oh. I mean, because I need to know the world. Yeah. And I-, I can't sit down to write the world. I mean, there's so many little things, like things you could just never – no matter how smart you are, you're not sitting in your room and thinking the stuff up. Like special forces guys, when they sit down at a restaurant, they turn their knife. You know how the knife, and you have the fork and the knife, and it's facing away from you towards the other person. Second, they sit down, they all of them take their knives and they reverse it so the edge is facing, you know, the point is facing them so they can grab it to stab someone who comes from behind them.
2: Oh, right. Like,
1: so there has to be like a debriefing that in foreign countries, these you know, trigger pullers, they can't do that anymore because they're getting recognized as special forces by the people that are watching them. Right. You know, these are things you just can't make up. So unless you're there with these guys and you're seeing it and they're telling you and they're pointing stuff out to you, you would just never, you would never know.
0: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. All that inside information. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. By the time this airs, uh, Columbus Day plans...
1: Um, I, oh, that's what I'm watching actually a lot of is, uh, last week in review or whatever the, the, uh, was John Oliver show on HBO.
0: Oh yeah. That's a great show.
1: Oh my God. I, I mean, it's, it's, a, that's one of the best new shows on TV and that guy is absolutely so on point with everything, mm-hmm. but he just had a thing in last week's episode, which was, you know, he has a section that says, how is this still a thing?
2: Right. And it was
1: Columbus Day.
2: Right.
1: And, like, he goes through the actual history of how, like, Columbus mutilated and tortured all these people and he killed all these Haitians and cut them up into pieces. And, like, you know, like, like and let's talk about the word "discovered," having to discover a continent that already has millions of people living on it. You know, so right. for me, it's like, I kind of agree with, like, how is this still a thing you know, you show, where you show up at the bank and you're like, oh, shit, fuck, <laughs> right. it's Columbus Day. That's right. right. It's closed. You know, it's right. just like – so for me, no plans other than, you know, I know my son's off from right. school, so we got to figure out what we're going to do.
0: Right, <laughs> and you know? not go to
1: the bank. You are not going to the bank at the post office, correct. Right, right.
0: Damn it. my yep. my My Columbus Day plans are ruined.
1: Right. That one day off you get where you can do your errands, you can't do your errands.
0: Right. That's funny. Um, um and uh do your acting residuals match your screenwriting ones? <laughs> no.
1: <laughs> no. Not even clear. My acting residuals are like like I don't even know why they print the paper. <laughs>
2: it's like really
1: like like I think half of them are still sitting in the drawer like I'm not cashing the $3.33 check on this you know it's it's just that's not gonna happen so (laughs) no the answer the answer is no
0: oh that's funny um cool well I know you've gotta run I don't wanna keep you too long because I know you're super busy uh, taking time out of your schedule to chat with me today no problem be sure to follow Cliff on Twitter at Cliff Dorkman and you have an Instagram too right what's that at Cliff Dorfman 88. Yeah, at Cliff Dorfman 88. Um, and as always, check out our website for more great interviews and resources on writing at Uh Have a good Columbus Day, because that's when we're <laughs> So just be sure not to. Is that Monday? Is that when it
1: is? That, yep.
0: Uh huh. And just be sure not to go to the post office <laughs> or the bank or anything that will probably be closed. And uh, <laughs> enjoy your Columbus Day barbecue or whatever people do on Columbus Day.